NATO and Europe remain united in opposition, of course, to Russia's actions in Ukraine, uh, even more so, I think, following the revelations of what's been happening in the area around Kyiv uh, and what, I mean, just absolute atrocities. Massive financial pressure being used, of course, to try and cripple the Russian economy. Up to a point, though, Russia is the world's fourth largest producer of crude oil, and more than a quarter of their annual revenue comes from that oil. And that continues almost completely intact right now. I mean, there's been some reduction, but um, the simple truth is large parts of Europe are completely dependent on Russian oil and gas, and they're not in a position to give up that resource. So they continue to import. And that's the reality that we've talked about a lot. There's the aspirational goals and targets and things that leaders say they want to do and would like to do. And then there's the reality of what they have to do. And those things just don't always line up. So now a number of other countries, as you know, have been approached to try and increase their capacity and their production to try and offset any reduction in oil and gas from Russia, should Europe go that route. Joining us now to talk about Canada's role in that is Jonathan Wilkinson, the Minister for Natural Resources with the Federal Government of Canada. Uh, Minister, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Not at all. Thanks for having me. So, uh, of course, Canada has announced their plans to try and um, increase their production and help Europe reduce their reliance on Russian oil. But how much of a difference are we talking about here? I mean, it's, it's not huge, is it? It's not huge. Um, I guess uh, what Europe is looking for is a couple of things. The first is to see what other countries can do to help them displace supplies that are coming from Russia um, and, and to help to stabilize global energy markets. Um, but they are also looking to, you know, very greatly accelerate the transition away from dependence on oil and gas towards renewables and hydrogen. And so Canada is doing what it can to uh, to help with that displacement. We're not the only country. We've announced that we are looking to increase production by about 300,000 barrels a day. Brazil announced the same the same number. Uh, the United States has announced over a million barrels of oil and, and significant quantities of gas. So together, the international community is looking to do everything we can to help our, our friends and allies in Europe. In terms of percentages, um, what we're doing and what the rest of the world has been able to do so far, how much would that replace in terms of what is being imported from Russia by Europe right now? Well, it's still a relatively small amount. Um, it depends a little bit on oil and gas, but it's it's probably less than a quarter of, of what is uh, historically been imported um, by uh, by um, Europe from mm. Russia. Um, and so, you know, the, there is going to need to be additional work to see what can be done with respect to enhancing supplies. But as I say, the real um, focus for Europe uh, beyond the next couple of years, and the next couple of years are obviously important, but beyond the next couple of years is figuring out how they can actually reduce their dependence and become more energy secure domestically. And that's through deployment of renewables, deployment of zero emission vehicles, and and uh, looking at stable support, uh, supplies of things like hydrogen from countries like Canada. Like you say, I think those are the aspirational goals that I was talking about earlier. And I'm sure you're right. That is part of the Europe's plan for the long term, but it means nothing to the people of Ukraine right now. It means nothing to Vladimir Putin right now. I mean, we're in the middle of a conflict. Does that really even enter into this conversation? I mean, we're dealing with the here and now with people dying and being executed in the street. Why are we talking about three, four years down the road? Well, you, you are absolutely right. I mean, this illegal and brutal invasion by Russia, um, and, and we're seeing, you know, obviously terrible pictures coming out of Ukraine right now. 
um, you know, the, the international community, and particularly the Europe and, and North America, have united to to do everything that we possibly can to support European countries and to support Ukraine. And with respect to Ukraine, as you know, that includes not only humanitarian assistance; it includes military assistance that is uh, that has been uh, sent from Canada and from a range of other countries. Um, we are, as as I say, doing everything we can to help Europe in terms of reducing dependence on Russian oil and gas. But as you as you will also be aware, the dependence is a significant one. And so while we can reduce it somewhat in the short term, we've got to be looking at the medium term and trying to ensure that, that Europe can be energy independent going forward. Um, in terms of what industry can do, I know we've talked about it a lot here in this province, of course. I mean, this is where a lot of the industry is centered. And they say bigger increases really aren't in the cards given the current environment that they're in. They're running at close to capacity already. We have the labor shortage that they're trying to deal with. And frankly, they're not investing in a lot of new projects right now, and their investors are asking them not to expend a lot of capital in that way. So have you consulted with industry? Have you had some meetings with them? And are you confident that they're willing to sort of change their planning a little bit on this? Yeah, we've had lots of consultation with industry uh, as part of uh, getting to uh, the commitment that we would look to increase production. Um, and certainly that was that was ongoing for several weeks before we made that commitment alongside some of our, our uh, allies. Um, but certainly we are always uh, in ongoing conversations with industry. I'm in Calgary today to have uh, several meetings with a lot of the different folks in industry to talk about a range of issues, including energy security. Um, in terms of our province's response to this, I'm sure you're, you're aware of what you know, our energy minister said. We could do so much more, saying, you know, as a country, we, we could provide a lot more oil on a daily basis, up to a million and a half barrels, if you know, we were in a position to increase pipeline capacity and increase export, increase export infrastructure. Both of those things would, would help our country actually make a more meaningful contribution. Again, those are a little bit longer term, but is that something that, you know, you could work with the Alberta government on and saying, if you really want to displace Russian oil and gas, um, this is a way we could do it in a much larger way. So, I mean, certainly we're interested in working collaboratively with, with the government of Alberta and certainly with industry on, on a range of those kinds of issues. I would say to you that I think the, the bigger opportunity in the short term for Canada is probably LNG and looking to actually develop um, projects that could be relatively short term in nature in terms of getting to the point where you can send LNG to displace Russian gas. Um, I would also say, though, that if you think about the longer term, the 8 to 10 to 15 year period, the focus of the world continues to be on accelerating the transition away from the combustion of hydrocarbon fuels. I mean, climate change hasn't gone away. Um, and so any of the investments that we're looking to make have to be workable in the context of that transition. LNG certainly can be, because you can actually take LNG and convert it to hydrogen um, in a non-carbon polluting way. Um, and so that's, that's going to be a continuing conversation that we're having with industry, is how do we actually play a role there that will be consistent with the need for us to actually move through the transition over the coming decades. Um, and, and like you say, we, we know that the, the federal government came out with a new plan, uh, the 2030 plan last week. Um, when you talk about increasing oil and gas production, uh, you know, it, it's incremental, I understand that, but at the same time, does that not directly contradict what we're hearing from the Prime Minister in terms of the 2030 plan? No, I don't think it does. Um, you know, there are some who say the energy security challenges that we and, and Europe face at this point mean that we should just forget about fighting climate change. Well, that, that would be wrong and that would be just scientifically ridiculous. 
Um, there are others who say that we shouldn't do anything to help our allies in Europe because it would impact our ability to meet our climate targets. And I would, I would just say to you, look, we've got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, we, can, we can move forward in a way that helps our allies, which, of course, we want to help our allies at this terrible, you know, very difficult time for them. But to do so in a manner that will actually be accommodated within our climate plan. And that's exactly what we are aiming to do. Um, Minister, of course, being the natural resources minister, you know that there's constantly a discussion, an argument at sometimes between uh, Alberta and Ottawa on this file. I just want to play for you something that was said by our premier this weekend on the radio, talking about the plan and what's going forward. He calls it a full frontal attack on the people who work in the energy sector. Explicit is a reduction in oil and gas production, which would just shift energy production from Canada to places like Putin's Russia and the OPEC dictatorships. This policy is, it's nuts. So he says the policy is nuts, and it actually does the exact opposite of what you're telling us the goals of the government are. Well, I, I certainly wouldn't agree with the Premier on that. And I think if he read the plan, he would see that, that it is explicit in the sense that there is no uh, no impact on production. This is about emissions. Um, it is important for us to remember that the, the threat and the, uh, the challenge of climate change has not gone away. We need to actually manage that as well. And I would say to the Premier that it's important, I think, for both of us to be talking to industry. The Pathways Group here in Alberta committed to net zero uh, by 2050. The federal government has said, has welcomed that and has engaged them. And how do we actually make that work? How do we actually collaborate to make reductions in emissions that we need to on a pathway to net zero? That's what the plan last week was about. And I would encourage the Premier to read it and to talk to the industry. Uh, Last one, and then I'll let you go. And I appreciate your time, Minister. Would it be... My impression is you're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place here, because, uh, and the government is, generally speaking, because at one hand, you're saying we need to support Ukraine, we need to punish Russia, and the easiest way and the most effective way to do that is to limit their ability to export their oil to continue to fund this war effort. We know that's where 26% of their revenue comes from. We have the capacity to do that to a certain extent, but at the same time, doing so flies in the face of our ambitious statements and goals on climate change. Are you sort of trying to serve two masters and finding it difficult? Well, I think, you know, Canadians expect that, that folks that they elect to, to govern are going to do things in a thoughtful and judicious way. And I do think that you can address both. I mean, let, let's be clear, when we send oil or gas to, to Europe and it gets combusted in cars or heating homes, there is zero incremental carbon emissions uh, when you're displacing Russian oil and gas. So what we have to focus on are the production emissions that are associated with extracting those fuels. And we are working every day with industry to reduce those. I mean, the methane regulations we brought into place are exactly about that, as are a whole range of other things, including the carbon capture and sequestration tax credit, which uh, which we've signaled will be in a, in the upcoming budget. Um, so we're we're focused on working collaboratively with industry. And I would tell you that the meetings that I've had with industry over the past number of months, and I'm sure the meetings I will have today, are very positive and constructive. Minister, I appreciate your time so much. Thanks for joining us this morning. Not at all. Thank you for having me. That is Jonathan Wilkinson, who is the Federal Minister of Natural Resources.